0: Section 31 of the Letters of Madame de savigny to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 96. Paris, Monday, November the 8th, 1688. This is the day, my dear child, on which you are to begin your journey. We follow you step by step. The weather is delightful. The durance will not be so terrific as it sometimes is. It looks as if you were resolved to remove further and further from us out of mere spite. You will find yourself at last on the seashore. But it is the will of God that we should meet with periods in our life which are difficult to bear and we must endeavour to repair by a submission to his will the too great sensibility we feel toward earthly things. In this respect, it is impossible to be more culpable than I am. The Chevalier is much better. It is painful to reflect that the weather which agrees with him is precisely what may dethrone the king of England. Whereas he suffered dreadfully a few days ago when the wind and tempests were dispersing the fleet of the Prince of Orange. He is unhappy at not being able to make his health accord with the good of Europe. For the sentiment of joy is universal at the failure of the Prince. His wife is a perfect tullier. Footnote: Mary Stuart daughter of James II, King of England, and wife of William Henry of Nassau, Prince of Orange afterward, King of England by the name of William the Third. Talia, the daughter of Servius Tullius, King of Rome, caused her chariot to drive over the bleeding body of her father who had just been assassinated. Back to main text. The prince, whose wife is a perfect Tullia, ah, uh, how boldly would she drive over the body of her father? she has empowered her husband to take possession of the kingdom of england of which she calls herself the heiress and if her husband is killed for her imagination is not very delicate monsieur de schomberg is to take possession of it for herself put frédéric amand count de schomberg marshal of france obtained permission to retire from the king's service in 1685 on account of his having embraced the protestant religion He was Minister of State and Generalissimo of the Armies of the Elector of Brandenburg and went over to England in 1688 with the Prince of Orange. Marshal de Schomburg had ancient leagues with the Princes of Orange. He had besides, much cause to complain of the court and even of Turenne during the war with Holland. See a curious account of this general in the Fragments Historique de Racine. Back to main text. What say you to a hero who so sadly disgraces the close of a glorious life? He saw the admiral's ship sink in which he was to have embarked, and as the prince and he were the last in following the fleet, which was underway in the finest weather possible, they were obliged by a tremendous storm that suddenly arose to return to port, the prince being very much indisposed with his asthma, and Monsieur de Schomberg as much vexed. Only twenty six sail returned with them. The rest were all dispersed, some toward Norway, others toward Boulogne. Monsieur d'Aumont has sent a courier to the king to inform him that vessels have been seen at the mercy of the winds, and that there were many appearances of shipwreck a vessel armed en flûte, in which were nine hundred men, sunk in sight of the Prince of Orange. In short, the hand of God is visible upon this fleet. Many ships may return, but it will be long before they will be able to do any mischief, for the dispersion has certainly been great, and has happened at a time when it was least expected this is certainly a stroke of providence. I need not say so much to of this great news, for the papers are full of it. But as we are so too, and as we can talk of nothing else, it flows naturally from my pen. Shall I give you another instance of wounds that were not received at the siege of Petersburg? It relates to the Chevalier de Longby, The town was taken. The Dauphin had just inspected the garrison. The little chevalier mounted the back of the trenches to look at something when a soldier aiming at a woodcock shot this poor child and he died in consequence the next day. His death is as singular as his birth. Footnote, Charles-Louis d'Oléon, natural son of Charles-Paris, Doleon, Duke of Longwy, killed in crossing the Rhine in 1672. Back to main text. Letter 97, Paris, Friday, December the 3rd, 1688. I have to inform you today that the king made yesterday 74 knights of the Order of the Holy Ghost, of which I send you the list. As he has done Monsieur de Grignon the honour to include him, and as you will receive a hundred thousand congratulations upon the occasion, wiser heads than mine advise you neither to say nor write anything that may give offence to any of your companions in this honour. The best way, perhaps, would be to write to Monsieur de Louvois, and to say that the honour he has done you of inquiring after you by your courier. Gives you the privilege of thanking him, and that wishing to believe, on the subject of the favour the king has just granted to Monsieur de Grignon, that he has contributed toward it, by his approbation at least, you return him thanks also for this. You will give this a better turn than I can do, and it will do no injury to the letter Monsieur de Grignon should write. The particulars of what passed are these. The king said to Monsieur Le Grand, footnote with reader's note, Louis de Lorraine, Count d'Amanac first equerry of France, one of the great officers of the French crown, and always chosen from the House of Lorraine, a junior branch of the House of Guise. He was commonly known by the title Monsieur Le Grand. Back to main text. The king said to Monsieur Legrand, The Count de Soissons and you must agree among yourselves with respect to rank. Footnote, Louis Thomas de Savoie, Count de Soissons. Back to main text. You must know that Monsieur Legrand's son is in the promotion, which is contrary to the general rules. You must know also that the king said to the dukes, that he had read their memorial, and that he found that the House of Lorraine had taken precedence of them on several occasions. And so it is decided. Footnote, it is related that the Duke of Luxembourg said aloud upon this subject, There's one thing I cannot comprehend. And what is that? said the king. How a Bourbon can look upon a guise. Reader's note, the houses of Bourbon and of Guise had been bitter rivals for the French throne, back to main text. Monsieur de Grand then spoke to the Count de Soissons. They proposed to draw lots, provided, said the Count, that if you win, I pass between you and your son, footnote Henry de Lorraine, Count de Brion, back to main text, Monsieur de Grand would not consent to this, and so the Count de Soissons is not a chevalier. The king asked Monsieur de la Trimouille how old he was. He replied that he was thirty-three. The king excused him two years. This favor, it is said, which has given some offense to the principality has not been estimated as it ought to have been. However, he is the first duke, according to the precedent of his dukedom. Footnote with reader's note. The minimum age for knights of the order was 35. Messieurs de la Tremouille had the highest rank at court as being the eldest dukes. And Monsieur du the highest rank in the parliament as being the eldest peers. Main text. Letter ninety-eight, Paris, Monday, December the sixth, sixteen eighty-eight. Your last letter has an air of gaiety and expansion of heart, which convinces me that Frankendal is taken, and that he is safe. I mean the Marquis. Enjoy this pleasure, my beloved child. Your son sleeps tonight at Clay. You see, he will pass through Livry, and tomorrow he will sup with us. The Chevalier, who is indeed an excellent creature in all respects, is returned from Versailles. He has thanked the king, and it is all passed off well. You will assume the blue ribbon on the 2nd of January in the midst of Provence, over which you have the command, and where there are only you and... Monsieur Dahl, your uncle. This distinction and remembrance of his majesty, when you least expected of it, are highly gratifying. Even the compliments you receive on all sides are not like those which are paid to others. It is to little purpose to say, Ah, this, ah, that. For my part, I say on this subject, as on many others, what is good is good. You will lose nothing, and when we think of those who are in despair, we consider ourselves very fortunate to be in the recollection of a master who does not forget the services that are rendered him, both by ourselves and our children. I own to you, I feel this joy thoroughly, without appearing to do so. The Chevalier has a great desire to send word of it this evening to our Marquis at Clay. He will not be insensible to it. He wishes also to send your blue ribbon with to Saint-Esprit, because the time draws on. He believes you to have your grandfather's cross at Grignon. Louis Castellan de Desmar de Monteux received knight of the king's orders in 1584, lieutenant-general of the government of Provence, was Monsieur de Grignon's great-grandfather. Back to main text. He believes you to have your grandfather's cross at Grignon. If you have not, you would be at a loss for one. I own that if the chevalier had not forestalled me, I should have made you this pretty little present but I give place to him in everything. The favour is complete by the permission of not attending the installation. I am charged with a hundred compliments. Madame de Lédiguerre, Madame de Moussy, Madame de lavadame Monsieur d'Alais, and I know not how many others I could name, for they are in long lists as when you gained your lawsuit think not my dear child that you have been out of luck for the last three months i begin with your gaining your cause then the preservation of your son his early reputation his contusion the beauty of his company to which you contributed and i conclude with the business of avignon and the blue ribbon think well of this and be thankful to god Letter ninety nine Paris Friday, december tenth, sixteen eighty eight I cannot answer your letters today as they came so late, and I answer two on a Monday. The Marquis, footnote the son of Madame de Guignon back to main text, is a little rustic, but not enough so as to render him ridiculous. He will not have so fine a figure as his father, nor is it to be expected. In other respects, he does very well, answering pertinently to everything that is asked him like a man of good sense, who has made observations and sought information during his campaign. His conversation is tinctured with modesty and rectitude that charm us. Monsieur de Plécy is worthy of the esteem you bear him. We take our meals together very socially, amusing ourselves with the unjust proceedings we sometimes adopt against each other. Make yourself easy upon this score and think no more about it. Let it be my part to blush at thinking that a wren is a heavy burden to me. Readers note an allusion to La Fontaine's Fable of the Oak and the Reed. The oak said to the reed one day, You have every right to blame nature. For you, a wren is a heavy burden. Back to main text. I own I am grieved at it, but we must submit to the great justice of paying our debts. No one understands this better than yourself. You have also kindness enough for me to believe that I am not naturally avaricious, and that I have no intention to hoard. When you are here, good madam, you tutor your son so well that I am compelled to admire you. But in your absence, I undertake to teach him the common rules of conversation, which it is important to know. There are some things of which we ought not to be ignorant. It would be ridiculous to appear astonished at certain events which are the topics of the day, I am sufficiently acquainted with these trifles, I also strongly recommend to him attention to what others say and the presence of mind by which we quickly comprehend and answer. This is the principal object in our intercourse with the world. I repeat to him instances of miracles of this kind which Donjo related to us the other day. He admires them and I lay great stress upon the charms and even utility of this sort of alertness of mind. In short, I obtained the Chevalier's approbation. We conversed together on books, and the misfortune of being troubled with listlessness and want of employment. We call this laziness of the mind, which deprives us of a taste for good books, and even romances. As this is an interesting subject, we frequently enter upon it. Little Auvergne, footnote, Francis Egon de la Tour, Prince d'Auvergne, who quitted the French army in 1702, in which he served in Germany to enter into the service of the emperor. Back to main text. Little Auvergne is very fond of reading. He was never happy when with the army unless he had a book in his hand. God knows whether Monsieur de Plessy and we can turn this fine and noble passion to account. We are willing to believe the Marquis susceptible of the best impressions. We suffer no opportunity to pass unimproved; we contend to inspire him with so desirable a taste. The Chevalier is of more use to this dear boy than can easily be imagined. He is continually striking the full chords of honour and reputation and takes an interest in his affairs for which you cannot sufficiently thank him. He enters into everything, attends to everything and wishes the Marquis to regulate his own accounts and incur no unnecessary expenses. By this means he endeavours to give him a habit of regularity and economy. To make him lay aside the air of grandeur, of what does it signify, of ignorance and indifference, which is the direct path to every kind of injustice, and at length to the workhouse. Can there be any obligation equal to that of training up your son in these principles? For my part, I am charmed with it, and think this sort of education far more noble than any other. The Chevalier is a little afflicted with the gout. He will go tomorrow, if he can, to Versailles, and will inform you of the situation of your affairs. You already know that you are a knight of the order, and which is a very desirable thing in the centre of your province and in actual service. You will admirably become Monsieur de Grignon's fine figure. They will, however be no one to dispute it with him in Provence, for he will not be envied by his uncle, footnote the Archbishop of Al was commander of the royal orders of knighthood back to main text, as this title does not go out of the family. La Fayette is just going from hence. He's been holding forth a full hour about one of the little marquis's friends. He has related so many ridiculous things of him that the Chevalier thinks himself obliged to mention them to his father, who is his friend. He thanked La Veille for his intelligence, for in fact there is nothing of so much consequence as being in good company. And it often happens that, without being ridiculous ourselves, we are rendered so by those we associate with. Make yourself easy upon this subject, and the chevalier will set matters right. I shall be very much mortified if he cannot present his nephew on Sunday. This gout is a great drawback upon our happiness. With respect to Paulina, can you, my dear child, expect her to be perfect? She is not mild in her own apartment. Many persons who are very much beloved and respected have had the same fault. I think you may easily correct it, but take particular care not to scold and humiliate her. All my friends load me with a thousand compliments and a thousand regards to you. Madame de Lavadin called upon me yesterday to tell me she esteemed you too highly to send you her compliments, but that she embraced you with all her heart. And the great Count de Grignon. These were her words. You have great reason to love her. What I am going to relate is a fact. Madame de Brignon, the very soul of Saint-Cyr, and the intimate friend of Madame de Maintenon, is no longer at Saint-Cyr, Footnote, Madame de Brinon, at that time of the first establishment of Saint-Cyr, was placed at the head of that house. She had great learning and talents, but an equal portion of pride and ambition. The superior only of the house, she assumed the airs of an abbess. She displayed the most offensive ostentation she held a court. She opposed Madame de Maintenon whose dependent she was. These things offended the king as well as her benefactress. A lettre de cachet obliged her to leave Saint-Cyr in 24 hours. The Duchess of Hanover, who received her, and who was the daughter of the celebrated Princess Palatine, was soon disgusted with Madame de Brunon, who retired to the abbey of Maubisson and died there. Regretting the world, regretting Saint Cyr, and regretting life. Back to main text. She, Madame de Brignon, quitted that place four days ago. Madame Hanover, who loves her, brought her back to the Hotel de Guise, where she still remains. There does not seem to be any misunderstanding between her and Madame de Maintenon, for she sends every day to inquire after her health. This increases our curiosity to know the subject of her disgrace. Everyone is whispering about it without knowing more. If this affair should be cleared up, I will inform you of the circumstances. End of Section 31